Hey everyone and welcome to the Grayland Podcast. My name is Elijah Merle. I'm so honored and blessed you took out the time to join again today. You know the purpose of this podcast by now if you've been listening. Uh, it's First John 4.4. 4. It says, you are of God, little children, and have already overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to talk about things that are going on in the world, things that are going on in our own lives. From a biblical perspective, and we will find that greater is he that's on the inside of us than he that is in the world. All right, I'm excited about this one. The title of this podcast today is The Chalk Mark. The Chalk Mark. And uh, it may not, some of you may pronounce it chalk. I don't know how you pronounce it, however you want to pronounce it. But uh, you won't understand why I'm calling it that until we get to the end of the podcast. So let's pray really quick and let's just dive right on in, man. Father God, thank you so much for each and every listener. Thank you, Father, for them taking out the time to, to join and be a part of what's going on here. Uh, Father, I thank you that they showed humility just by clicking play today. And you said that if we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, you'll lift us up and you'll give us more grace. So, Father, we believe we receive more grace, more anointing, more favor. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the master teacher. We ask that he would have the preeminence and that he would flow exactly and in a way that's pleasing to you, Father. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Speak, Lord, your servants here. Amen. Romans 12, 3. I'm not even going to wait for you to turn there. Here we go. For I say, I'm excited about this one, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, watch this, the measure of faith. The measure of faith. Uh, Matthew 9, 27 and through 29. This is a point where Jesus, uh, he's in his earthly ministry, of course, and doing some things. I want you to notice something here. You know, God gave you a measure of faith, the measure of faith. And it's a measure of Jesus's own faith. Jesus said in Mark 11, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. You have a measure. You and I, we have, we share as believers in Christ and believers in Jesus, we share a common faith, the faith of God, the very faith of the Lord himself. Jesus is the author and finisher, perfecter of this faith that we find in the new birth. In Matthew 9 here, verse 27 and 29, it gives us a very enlightening thing here, a very enlightening piece of scripture we'll find here. It says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. I find that very interesting. Two blind men, what did they do? Followed him. That's crazy. They can't see nothing. How in the world did they follow him? They cried out and they said, son of David, have mercy on us. Well, what's, what do they need? They need healing. So healing then is a mercy. For someone to say that healing has passed away is basically the same as saying mercy has passed away. But I, my Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. So every morning, oh man, every morning there's new, hot, fresh healing available to you and I. Man, bless the Lord. And when he had come into the house, when Jesus had come into the house, the blind men came to him and, they, and Jesus said to them, Watch this. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Underline or circle uh, able there. Keep that in mind. Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be to you. 
When he says, according to your faith, let me make a statement here. Let me say this. The measure of our faith will always be the measure of the gift of grace. The measure of your faith will always be the measure of the gift of grace. Let me say it like this. He said, by grace, you've been saved. Watch this, through faith. Ooh, let me say it like this. When he says, according to your faith, uh, one translation says, and if you look up the Greek words, it, it literally means through the channel of faith. What? Mm, come on now. Okay, let me keep reading. Let me keep reading. It says faith. Here's what, here's what we've written down in studying according to your faith. Faith is the hand which takes what God offers. It's the spiritual organ, the conducting link between emptiness and God's fullness. I like that. The conducting link. It's almost like electricity. You know about electricity, how, how certain objects will conduct electricity and certain they, they won't. He says, according to your faith, be it unto him. But what did he ask before that? Do you watch this? Believe that I'm able to do this. They said to him, yes, Lord, we believe it. Then he touched their, why did he touch their eyes? Because out of his hand, the Bible says that the, the hand of God, that out of it is the mighty, uh, it's the hiding place of his power. So when they said, yes, Lord, we believe it, then the hiding place of his power touched their eyes, the hand, Jesus' hand. Ooh, and he said, according to your faith, let it be to you. In other words, through the channel of your faith, through the conducting link of your faith, be it done unto you. Faith conducts the power of God. Faith will conduct the power of God like certain things will conduct electricity. Faith conducts the power of God. Woo! But you got, there has to be a conductor. There has to be something that's able, a, a receptacle. There has to be something that's receptive and something that can receive. Let me give you an example of this. 2 Kings 4, 2 through 6. This is going to be a little bit different. I know you're thinking, like, how in the world did we get the chalk mark out of that? Well, just stay with me. Stay with me. 2 Kings 4, 2 through 6. I'm excited about this one, guys. I say that for every podcast, but I'm telling you, man, the word of God, if you've got eyes and ears to hear it and to see it, woo, it's just amazing. It's a fun time. No alcohol required. 2 Kings 4, 2 through 6. So Elisha said to her, this is the widow woman who comes to Elijah and said, my husband, your servant, he's dead. The creditors have come and they're going to take our son. They're going to take out the land, the kids, all everything, the dog, everybody's going to go. And so she said, but, but he served you faithfully. In other words, he was faithful. And see, that faithfulness, well, that's another message. But so she comes to the prophet Elisha. Elisha said, what shall I do for you? I like this. It's almost like uh, the prophet Elisha is thinking out loud. He's like, hmm, what shall I do for you? He's checking his heart. Okay, what do we do? And then he says, he gets it. He gets the answer. He says, okay, tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Don't, this reminds me of Jesus. Jesus asked a similar question in John chapter six. He says, um, uh, the loaves and the bread, how many do we have? How much do we have? Don't discount and belittle where you are. A lot of times your miracle is actually in your house. Mm. A lot of times God's going to provide in multiplication. He'll multiply the seed sown. He'll multiply the things that are in your home. 
That rhymed. I didn't even intend that. Woo. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. So what am I saying? I'm saying don't despise what's in your house. She says, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, watch this. Watch, watch God. But go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not borrow a few. Time out. Elisha, don't you know that she's already in debt? And you want her to borrow again? He said, borrow. Go borrow and don't do it a few. Why? Because the wisdom of God, a lot of times God's going to ask you to do something that seems crazy. Doesn't seem right. Like, what do you mean borrow? I'm, I'm already in debt. I just find it an interesting thought that he said, go borrow. Not just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels. Pour what? The oil into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her, got her sons, brought the vessels. They went out and borrowed them and they brought the vessels to her. Then she poured it out. What's this? This is the oil. The oil's coming out. So it came to pass that when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. Watch this. So the oil ceased. What I'm saying is simply this. Christ graciously pours out his grace, <laughs> but he only pours out his grace when he finds the vessel of faith open. Notice that during this time, they were filling up the vessels. I can see it right now in my mind's eye. The oil's coming out. They're like, oh, man, we've hit the mother, mother load. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if you're ever familiar with the old show, The Beverly Hillbillies. It reminds me of that when Jed Clampett was out there with his dog and, and he shot. And they come and listen to a story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. And when you see that, it almost reminds me of that. It's like that oil, that oil, that, that black gold, that Texas tea. I'm telling you, it's, it's flowing. And so she's putting the vessels under there. They're filling it up. Oh, man, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. And then he says, then she says at some point, all right, son, give me another one. And he says, mom, there isn't no anymore. She said, don't play with me, boy. Give me another one. She said, no, there, there, there isn't one, mom. We, we ran out. That's all. And then what happened after that? The oil ceased. The oil there is a type of the grace of God. And I'm telling you that God's grace is abundant. It flows. I'm telling you, uh, the mercies, like we said earlier, they're new every morning. But if there's no conductor, nah, if there's no vessel to receive it, it stops. G G Christ graciously pours out grace when he finds the vessel of faith is wide open. Second, let me give you some verses here. Second Corinthians 9 verse 8, God is able, uh-oh, Believe ye that I am able to do this. Okay. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Ephesians 3.20, this verse is quoted all the time. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What's that power? Well, J Jesus said you shall receive power, dynamite, but explosive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Oh man, according to that spirit, the spirit of grace on the inside of us, the spirit of grace that lets us know what's been freely given to us. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 2. 
two. <laughs> We're flowing now. Let me say let me say this. Not only is God able, with the two verses we read, we saw that God is able, right? He's able to make all grace abound. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think, according to the power that's working in you. Not only is God able, but he's willing. God is as willing as he is able. This is why he treasured up in Christ all the fullness for us. That out of Christ's fullness, we can receive the uttermost extent of our necessities. Let me give you the verse. Let me prove it to you. Colossians 1.19, for it pleased the Father. Ooh, it pleased him, man. It pleased the Father that in him, in who? In Jesus all the fullness should dwell. Let me put that together with another verse in John 1, 16. And of his fullness, we have all, watch this though, received and grace for grace. The only grace you and I can enjoy is the grace that we have the faith to receive. I'm trying, I, I want to talk about the chalk mark. I, wanna, I want us to see and I want us to know God is able. We see that God is able. We see that he's willing and able. We see that he can do exceedingly abundantly above. We see that he can make all grace abound towards us. So what's the holdup? What's wrong? If it's not according to my ability, if it's according to my faith, not my um, works, but according to my faith, because grace has already provided it, what's the holdup then? Two points today. Oh, yeah, just two, man. Point number one. Lack of room. Remember what we talked about with the vessels? The Bible says that the vessels, they were filled with oil. But when it came to a place where they, have no, they had no vessels, what happened? The oil ceased. The grace stopped. When there was no container, when there was no receptacle, when there, couldn't, when there was no apparatus, when there was nobody to receive it, no vessels to receive it, no grace. Point number one, a lack of room. Why is it that we don't see you? We're talking about, we talk about things that are happening in the world. What, what is up with all these people in the world who, and believers? Talking about believers right now. Believers who are good believers, and yet they fail to see the promises of God manifest in their life. What's going on? I want us to look at a couple of things, and I, I hope that the Spirit of God is able to paint a picture on the inside of you that encourages you. I'm not here to, to beat you down saying, man, you see God is able. You see all this stuff. How come you don't have it? That's not what I'm doing. I want to encourage you and maybe show you some of the reasons why we haven't, I'm including myself, seen the fullness of what God has provided for us. Maybe some of the reasons why. Point number one, as I said earlier, lack of room. 2 Corinthians 6, 12, to set up the story, uh, false teachers have come in uh, to Paul's church and trying to get them to uh, move away from Paul and his teachings. And uh, th these guys are starting to have resentment against Paul. And their love for Paul is dwindling. Paul says something very revealing here in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 12. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Let me read it to you in the Amplified Version. This is where we got the point, the, the point one from this version. There is no lack of room for you in our hearts, but you lack room in your own affections for us. The Passion Translation says, if there's a block in our relationship, it's not with us. For we carry you in our hearts with great love, yet you still withhold your affections from us. 
Paul's saying here that anytime, basically I'm saying this, Paul's saying, we've got a heart for you guys. Me, my ministry team, we have a heart and love for you guys. And he says, it's not our fault that there's a block in our relationship. We, we carry y'all in our hearts. We've got great love for you in our hearts, but it's you who withhold your heart from us. When it says affections, he's talking about the heart. It's you that's withholding your own heart from us. Let me ask you this. Is the problem with God? Has God withhold? Is he withholding from us? No, the Bible says that when he gave us Jesus, he gave us everything. So is there, is there a lack of room in him? Is it because God didn't fulfill his end of the bargain? Nope. He says, he's got us in our hearts. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the Zoe God kind of life. Oh, it's a beautiful picture. So what am I saying? Here's what I'm saying. When they, if there's a block, if there's a hindrance, if there's restriction, it's not on God's part. It's on our part. I'm positive for effect. If there's restriction, if there's a block, if there's a lack of room, if the, if the oil is not flowing, that, the oil representing the grace of God, what Jesus has already done for us, what God has done for us in Jesus already, if, there, if there's a block, he said, it's not, it's not with us. And let me say it like that, with God. If there's a block in your relationship with him, it's not his fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. We, you, I, we've, we've all done this. We've withheld our affections from him. Just like this church was withholding their affection from Paul and his ministry team. Let me give you an example of a restricted heart or a lack of room. Let me give you an example here. Let me set up the story. The prophet Elisha is, is, is sick and the king comes up to him and the king says to him, this is in second Kings 13, 14 through 18. The king there, Joash, he came and he wept over him and he said, Oh father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. I find it interesting that he says the very same thing that Elisha said when Elijah was taken up in the chariots. Oh father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And the Bible goes on to say that Elisha said to him, this is not Elijah, this is Elisha. Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. He put his hand on the bow and Elisha put his hands on the hands of the king. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, you must strike the, the Syrians at Ephek till you have destroyed them. Then he took the arrows. So, so excuse me. Then he said to the king, take the arrows. So the king took the arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. What happened? This man was restricted. The restriction wasn't with the man of God. The, this was a blank check. Strike the ground. This is a blank check. You could Just strike the ground. He struck it only three times and he stopped. Let me say this. The unfaithfulness of men limits the goodness of God. 
The Israelites could have had a complete victory over Syria. What did he say there? He said that this is the arrow of the deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians till you've destroyed them. That was the plan. That was what is provided. Let me say it like that. That's what's been provided. Get enough help and enough grace where you can defeat all of, all of the Syrians. But he only struck the ground three times. He had a lack of room and a failure to accept God's promises in his fullness. And because of this, it stopped the flow of mercy. Uh, why? Because there was no longer a vessel to receive it. You see what I'm saying? God, let me say it like this. God has promised healing and divine health to us. But if we only strike the ground three times, let me ask you this. Is it God's fault that that? so-and-so and many people have died from sickness and disease. Is that God's fault? He said that by his stripes, Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Is it God's fault if we don't see that healing in our life? No. God has graciously provided for our healing. Just like the prophet Elisha, one of the last things, the last thing that he does in his earthly ministry as a prophet what he does is he says, he gives him a blank check. He says, this arrow is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And he said that this is showing the Lord's mercy to you. And he says that your deliverance is tied here. You can strike the, the Syrians until you destroy them all. And then he said, all right, now you take the arrows. Why? Because it's according to your faith. See, you, you take the arrows now and you strike the ground. Because Elisha had already put his hand on the king's hand. Right. But but it, it's not just tied to to the to the prophet's faith here. It's not just tied to God's ability. I'm reminded of the boy, the man who brought his boy to Jesus and uh, he had a demon and the disciples were trying to cast it out and they couldn't cast it out. And, and he said, Lord, if you're if you're able to do anything. If you can do anything, have compassion on my son and heal him. And then Jesus whirls around and puts the question back on him. And literally, you could translate it like this. What do you mean if I can? If you can believe, watch this, all things are possible to him that believes. The, the, it's the balls in your court. Grace is provided. I'm not just talking about you randomly believing for whatever. I'm talking about what Jesus has done. That's all I'm talking about. Do you understand me? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you some off the wall, off the cup thing. I'm talking about what he has provided as revealed in his written word. What he's already provided. I'm telling you that we've got to get to a place where we're, we strike the ground and man, we, we strike it good, man. We strike it about four or five times, man, but we've all been there. I'm not condemning anybody. We may have all been just like this King and struck the ground three times. All of us. I'm not judging him. I'm not judging those who have gone on to be with the Lord. They've already won the victory. They're in his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. You can't be any more in his presence than being in heaven itself. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm not discounting that. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to make anybody's relatives feel bad. I'm saying that it's still, no, no matter whether they received it or not, in this, in this form, it's still been provided. It's still theirs to have. He, he, got, he, 
He said, here, you should have struck the ground, is what the prophet said, five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till they were absolutely destroyed. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Have you ever seen a partial victory in your life? I'm telling you, complete victory is available, excuse me, but a lot of times we've only seen partial victory. Why? Because we lack the zeal and the faithfulness to take God at his word. Man, if we had the zeal and the faithfulness, once again, I'm not saying that if I was the king here in this instance and God swiped out characters and Joe Ash is doing the podcast and I'm, and Elijah is the king, that would be weird, right? Because he was under Elijah. Elisha was under Elijah, so that'd be weird. But let's say we can swap characters. I'm not saying that I would strike the ground more than four, three times. What I am saying is it was available to him. He could have struck the ground seven or eight times even. Who who said there was a limit? Who put the limit? Who put the chalk mark? Uh-oh, we're, we're getting to it now. It's going to make a little bit more sense as we keep going. So point number one, what are we going to do, man? We see that God is able, man. His grace has provided everything we need. He's blessed us with all things that pertain unto life and, with, and to godliness. All of it, man. Nothing's held back. You know why? Because John the Baptist said, under the inspiration of the Spirit, a man can receive nothing except it be freely given. I'm telling you, God put all his fullness in Jesus. Jesus is on the inside of us by the person of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, on the inside of us, what did he say in John 4? Whoever drinks of this well is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. What is he saying? He's saying you've got access to my fullness. He said, anyone who's thirsty, come and let him drink freely. He said, the spirit says, come. The bride says, come. And whoever will, let him come and drink freely. It's all provided for you. But God won't put it, grace won't put it in the vessel unless it's open by faith. God, Christ graciously pours out his grace when he finds that the vessel of faith is wide open. He asked him, do y'all believe? I keep saying, y'all, excuse me there. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. Then the power that was in his hand ooh, flowed out of him. Why? Because he found somebody that was conductive. He found some, a way, a channel that he could, he could, ah, he used the channel called faith. Through the channel of faith, that grace of healing, that mercy, because they asked for mercy, right? He said, come to the throne room of grace. He said, let's come boldly to the throne room of grace where we can find grace and mercy and grace to help in the time of need. So in that grace is that mercy. So he lays hands on them and they receive that grace, that healing, that mercy. Uh, mercy is you getting what it, mercy is you being spared from what you do deserve. Apparently, whatever they had done, they deserve to be blind. They deserve to be in that state. But they asked for mercy and grace showed up. But it only showed up according or through the channel of faith. He struck the ground three times, the king here. He only struck the ground three times. How many times have, have, has I, have I done this? I'm talking about me. I can talk about me. This is my podcast. I can talk about me if I want to. 
How many times have I done this? Limited the Holy One of Israel. Oh, we're going to get to that verse too, by the way. How many times he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above, and I'm just striking the ground three times. Ah, uh, come on. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Point number one, the lack of room. He said the lack of room is not on our part. He said, we love y'all. I keep saying y'all. <laughs> we love you. He said, but it's on your part. That country's coming out. I apologize. <laughs> but let's keep going here. Point number two. So if there's restriction, let me, let me, let me kind of let me clean up. Let me not be in a rush. If there's restriction, if we're not receiving the full benefits of God, is it his fault? I need you to verbally answer this for me. No, it's not his fault. He has already provided all these things by his grace. What the prophet said to, to the king. You can destroy them. This is the arrow. This arrow represents the deliverance of Israel. This is the deliverance of the Lord. And he only struck the ground three times. Was it his fault? Was it God's fault, I mean? that it, No. It was available to him. Point number two. So what do we do to make sure we're in line to receive from God? What, what do we do there? Point number two. Be open. 2 Corinthians 6, 12 through 13. Let's go back there again. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak to you as children, you also be open. Open yourself up to it. Open yourself to this love that, that we share. Oh, be open to this. I want I want us to be open to God. I want to be open to God in this new year. I want to be open to him. I want to be open to his spirit. I want to see things happen in my life that only he can do. I want to be open. Let's keep going here. Psalms 81 is another good verse here about this, about being open. Psalms 81 verse 10. Watch this. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Now, what comes first? Do you open it wide or does he fill it? Well, he's not going to fill it if it's not open. Grace is not going to pour out. He's not going to give more grace if you don't give humility. You know, faith is humility. Believing in a God you can't see, that's humility. Faith that works by love, loving your enemies, that's humility. And when we exercise this faith that works by love, humbling ourselves, God is able to give us more grace. Why? Because we're opening our mouth wide to him. When it comes to this, though, when it comes to our life of faith, believing God, let's no longer assign limits to the supplies that he's given us. Let's not do that. Here it is, Psalm 78, verse 41, as we begin to wrap it up. Let's not put limits on what God is. He's able to make all grace abound. He's able to do exceedingly above. But somewhere along the lines, we put these handcuffs on God. We've limited him. You know why? Because our ancestors of old have done the same thing. Psalm 78, 41. Yes, again and again, they tempted God. Watch this and limited the Holy One of Israel. When it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel, here we go. In Ezekiel 9, verse 4, the word is rendered set. That's what it means, set. 
or more specifically, to set a mark. One trans one translation says it like this: On the Holy One of Israel, they set a mark, a limit, or boundaries. In other words, his power was defined by their own estimation. And they limited him so that beyond a certain point, he could no longer aid them. Oh, man. Jesus said you made the word of God of none effect because of your tradition. Or for the purpose of this podcast, let's say it like this. You made the word of God of none effect because of your own estimation. Oh, my goodness. You've taken out, here it is, a chalk. And you basically said, okay, God can do this, but he can't do this. You marked, come on now, you set a mark. You said in your heart, oh, I don't think he can do that. When he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can even ask or think, he can top your wildest imagination and dream easily. But we've, we've done this, man, but thank God we're coming up. We're coming to a place where we're not doing that. We're going we're gonna to erase the chalk mark. We're going mm, to get to a place where we're receiving of his fullness. But we've limited the Holy One of Israel. What does that mean? It literally means to set a mark, a limit, or boundaries. It means that his power was being defined by their own estimation and thus limited. So that beyond a certain point, he could no longer aid them. Yeah, I believe that God's able to, you know, I believe that God loves me and that he's good, but I just, I don't believe he could help me with my schooling. What happened? At that certain point, you were doing good till you got to that certain point, and then, oop, you limited him. He can no longer aid you. Or let me say it like this, the flow stops. Why? Because the vessel, the vessel, there's no vessel. There's no empty vessel. I mean, we've got a popular song that says, make me a vessel, make me an offering. But if there's no vessel there to receive of his fullness, if we turn, they turned. Oh, man, this is so interesting. It's almost like they got to a certain place. Imagine this with me, if you would. It's like they got to a certain place, turned around, got a chalk mark and wrote the line, they made the mark, they set the mark, the boundary, and limited it and said, this is how far it goes. But let's not do that. Yeah, the Bible talks about Jesus. This happened to Jesus and his earthly ministry in Mark 6, 5 through 6, and it gives us the cure. So if I, I didn't really have three points, but I guess point number three would be the cure. <laughs> What's the cure? Number one is be number one. We see that people have been restricted by their own self. We see point number two, though, we can be open, though, instead of restricted. He said, don't be restricted with us. Be open with us. And then he said, the cure. What's the cure? Here's the cure. In Mark 6, 5 through 6, I hope this has made sense to you. I hope that you see something here that you haven't seen before. Matthew 6, 5 through 6. Now he, Jesus, could there, didn't say he wouldn't, said he could there do no mighty work, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. There's, there's uh, two or three scriptures that talk about Jesus marveling because of someone's faith. There's only two things that causes Jesus to marvel in his ministry, faith and unbelief. 
He marveled because of their unbelief. But watch this, though. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Then he went about teaching. He's teaching. What is teaching? Well, preaching uh, means to proclaim, and teaching means to explain, to explain things. That's the purpose of this podcast. That's why the Lord put it on my heart so strong. Why? So that we could see, so that we can know that God is our God, that we can see that he is provided for us by grace. It's us. If there's a restriction, it's, it's us. We have to be open to receive of his fullness. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, Christ dwells in your hearts through faith. This flow is connected to our faith, the channel of faith that you being rooted and grounded in love because faith works by love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the width, what is the length, the depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes all understanding that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That's my prayer for you today that we would be filled with the fullness of God, that the vessels would keep coming, that we keep getting full. And then the very next verse says, now unto him that's able to do. Why is he able to do it? Because you've been filled with the fullness of God. Let me pray for you. Father God, I ask you to fill us, refill us with your precious Holy Spirit. I ask you, Father, to bring us to a place where we're not limiting you, we're not turning and limiting you, but we're letting you do what you want to do, what you provided by grace in Jesus. Father, we say, here we are. We open our mouths wide and we say, fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Leave a like, leave a comment. Let us know if this blessed you. My name is Elijah Merle. And remember this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world.